Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill. I'm the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. It's great to have you here with me for a Thursday, January 26th, 2023. This is edition number 14 of season 8 as we continue working our way through the Westminster Confession of Faith. This morning we complete chapter 2 on uh, which um, is titled Of God and of the Holy Trinity by dealing just very briefly with matters related to the doctrine of the Trinity as given to us in paragraph 3 of the Westminster Confession of Faith. Let's pray first and then we'll look at this paragraph together. Father, as we come now to your word and we come to this vitally important subject of which we will not come close to unpacking today, but Trust that you're by, you by your Spirit will give us something of your Word that will help us to understand it further and to guide us in our spiritual walk with you. We pray that you would forgive us for our sins, you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that you would open our eyes and our ears to these very important things, that we would not only learn more about your Word, but we would apply them to our lives. And so help us now, we pray, for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, we come now to paragraph three and to the subject of which I've already mentioned to the doctrine of the Trinity. Now, it's vitally important for you who watch these videos, some of you for the first time, some of you frequently recognize I'm not going to, in 10 minutes, try to unfold for you uh, every nuance and issue related to this particular doctrine. It's suffice it to say uh, what this paragraph tells us is enough for most people to come to terms with and even to grasp. And so we read there in paragraph 3, In the unity of the Godhead there be three persons. Now, right away we see in this opening phrase, one God, three persons. In the unity of the Godhead there are three persons. Now we have to be careful that we don't begin to say, use this word person in the sense of person like you and me. That is to say that there are not three gods who look like persons who make up the one Godhead. No, all three persons of the Godhead are spirit. Not until the Son took to himself humanity, flesh, did he become the God-man. The other thing to note here is that the confession goes, quickly gets to the point of the unity of the triune God. They are one. There's a unity among them. They operate and they subsist with one another and coexist with one another in perfect unity. So in the unity of the Godhead, there be three persons of one substance. Again, not three gods, three unique individual separate beings. One God of the same substance, power and eternity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. The Father is of none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father, the Holy Ghost eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son. Now just a few scripture references to point us in the right direction. Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, we see uh, the reference to all three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And when Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. 
And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And so here we see all three persons. The same is noted in Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We also note in John chapter 1, verses 14 and 18, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. Just as the writer to the Hebrews tells us that the Son, the second person, is the exact image or exact expression of God. And so, this paragraph sets forth for us the triunity of the of the Godhead, the three persons that are that are of the same substance, equal in power and glory, and are and dwell in perfect unity at all times. The other thing to note is that there is a, there is a difference, as it were, in how they work or operate. Now we have to be careful; we don't want to drift into modalism. But what we have here is the paragraph is is giving to us an expression of distinction. While there is a unity of the Godhead, there is a distinction as well. Now, Chad Van Dixhorn, commenting on this paragraph in his fine book, Confessing the Faith, says, We also insist that that the three are truly distinct and different because, as the confession reminds us, they do different things. This is summarized so well by Jesus in John 15, 26, where our Lord promised, When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Putting the pieces together here and elsewhere, we see that the Father is of none. He is not begotten. He does not proceed or is not sent from anyone else, but he does eternally and divinely beget the Son, by which we only understand that he is in some way always a Father to the Son, and he sends the Spirit. The Son also sends the Spirit, for Christ says that He will send the Counselor, His Holy Spirit, John 16, 7. But the Son is different from the Father because He is eternally begotten, by which we only understand that He is in some ways, some way always a Son to the Father. And the Spirit is different from both. He is the executor of the will of the Father and the Son. He knows the mind of God, as Paul says in Romans 8, and in equal power in eternity with the Father and the Son, he is sent to put their will into action. As Paul puts it, God sent forth the Spirit of his Son, Galatians 4, 6. Now I recognize that there's a lot here to unpack, and there's a lot to deal with, and frankly, it's, um, it's a lot. The doctrine of the Trinity is extremely heavy, but also extremely important doctrine for the life of the church. Because to deny the Trinity, my friends, is to, not, is to say that Jesus is not God. To deny Christ's divinity is to deny the Savior who purchased us. We cannot have him as just a good man. We cannot have him as just one who God created in some fashion um, and had a beginning like you and I had a beginning, and then he came to earth and did this, this work and labor uh, in a perfect manner. That would not be enough. He must be God if he is to truly reconcile us for our sin, our infinite uh, 
offense against a holy God. Now, the necessity of the Spirit is, the one, is that who brings life to us. John chapter 3, uh, unless you are born again or born from above, born from the Spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of God. The life-giving Spirit, His role in the work of redemption is to regenerate dead sinners. And so the Father sends, Christ accomplishes, and the Spirit applies salvation uh, to the sinner so that we might be, have peace with God and be reconciled to Him. And so it's important to recognize that first, all three members of the triune God coexisted eternally. That is to say, there was never a beginning. No member of the Godhead submit, had, um, has subordinated himself to the Father except the Son when he was on earth in his earthly ministry he submitted himself voluntarily to the will of his Father. The Spirit, of course, submits to the will of the Father and the Son, especially the Son, because the Spirit will teach the Son, or teach us what the Son tells him to teach. But they all have different, as it were, responsibilities. They have different um, aspects by which they work. Now, it is important to see it this way because... Um, as Paul was mindful of the necessity of the unity of the church, he reflects on the reality of the unity of the Godhead. And so we as Christians should live in unity with one another even as God himself lives in unity with himself. That is to say, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Chad Van Dixorn again, here at the end of this chapter, he gives us one of these applications or implications. He says this is a doctrine which has implications for all of life. It is the oneness of God the Spirit, God the Son, and God the Father that the Apostle Paul invokes when he is calling the Ephesian Christians to unity. For there is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Ephesians 4 4 through 6. In order that we might grasp this truth better and celebrate it together, let us gather often to worship in unity the only true God, praying that the Father, by the grace of His Son, would bless us by His Holy Spirit. And so, though there's much to understand about the doctrine of the Trinity, and you could spend many hours studying it, and I'm not saying you shouldn't, it's important just simply to understand the essential aspects that in the unity of the Godhead there are three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one God, the same in substance, equal in power and glory. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so until the Friday edition, when we begin to look at chapter 3 of God's eternal decree, um, may the Lord help you today. May you serve Him, walk with Him. May God bless you.